Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break and Unsafe Space. Today is Friday, September 25th. I'm your co-host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by Carrie Smith. Hey, Carrie. Hi, Carter. How, you How are you? Good. I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, let's see. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, the more you can do that, the better it helps us to keep this show going. Also, if you can offer financial support, we would very much appreciate it. You can go to unsafespace.com slash donate, which will give you a whole host of options, including Subscribestar, PayPal, uh, Bitcoin, whatever you want. Um, let's see. We also have book club coming up this weekend. I think it's this weekend, right, Gary? It's Sunday? This Sunday. For those of you who want to join us, you can go to the book club page at unsafespace.com and let us know that you can contact us and let us know if you want to be in the video discussion or you can just be in the live chat like today. Yeah. And our book is human diversity by Charles Murray. And I think with, wait, did he come out this week? Did we release that interview this week? I think yeah. So if you guys uh, haven't caught up, we did three interviews this week. We released uh, Charles Murray. We also released an interview yesterday with my pastor, Bradley Helgerson, which is, fascinating conversation especially between him and carter and then and then last night we got to do an impromptu live show with gabe wrench who is one of the men in moscow idaho who was arrested two days ago for not social distancing not wearing a mask while worshiping outside and singing psalms so that was also interesting and you and you guys got into a bit of a, a debate which is one of the first debates we've had I mean, in that yeah. kind of debate. Yeah, no, and I didn't, it was unexpected. I wasn't planning to talk about that at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you want a heated, it wasn't like heated in a bad way. It was just a passionate discussion, uh, debate, yeah. So check that out if you want to look at it. Um, I don't know, there's a lot going on, Carrie, but I, <laughs> I just want to share one small thing with you. I looked at my calendar uh, and tomorrow, there's a little note in my calendar. <laughs> I don't remember when I put this in, but it's for tomorrow. And it says, according to Think Progress, this is the day, this is the point of no return for climate change. So we can give up on climate change after this day because it's all dead and over by now. Uh, I tried to look online to see like what the original thing was because it was probably a few years ago that they said I this. I remember but... you putting that in. <laughs> yeah. I remember it. <laughs> yeah. I can't find evidence now online. Like I should have saved the web page in the article, but uh, so you know, if we make it to tomorrow, so today you should do everything you can to stop uh, climate change. But tomorrow, if we make it to tomorrow, uh, it's over. It's over. <laughs> so uh, you can so, go back to you can go back to Humvees and uh, and whatever else you know. I don't, know, well, I don't know what else destroys the environment, but yeah, plastic straws. There you go. <laughs> it's it's funny that they would give us a date at which nothing can be done, right. because then the logically it follows that we stop doing trying. Right. It's like oh well, the world's going to end. I guess now now we might as well party. Um, yeah. It's too, it's, it's too late. <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there'll be some rationale for why that's not true. Well, we could still mitigate the... I don't know. Oh, my friend Tina is in chat. 
I just have to say hello. This is a different Tina than Tina Fisk. This is my Tina. This is my Tina who came I, to live with me for a while this year during the lockdown. Hi, Tina. Sorry, I just had to do a personal. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries. Ah, so Carrie. Yeah. What do you want to talk about today? I've got a couple things we could. Well, I saw that your artwork for today was, is that Brianna Taylor? So I assumed we we're going to talk about that case and the riot rioting that's happened. Yeah. We never really talked about the Brianna Taylor case in detail. And, uh, I think it's worth going over what the facts of the case are and then going over the proximate causes of the protesting just so people understand what is and yeah. isn't true about the situation is that i actually would like to review the case with you because mm. uh, i've since heard things that it's weird i've heard people get uh, conservatives giving facts about brianna taylor and her boyfriend and facts of the case but in with those facts are some things that i'm not sure if they're true and secondly i understand giving facts because we're living in a we're living in a culture and a society now where the media is selling us a certain narrative and we're often not getting the facts. Um, but at the same time, I don't think, I don't think that there's a need to try and sully her reputation because of things her boyfriend did. She was innocent. There's her murder was tragic. You know, her death was tragic. And I, and I, I don't, I don't like the idea of trying to, um, trying to denigrate her, but I do want to know what the facts of the case are. So yeah, we I, I don't, I don't think it's really appropriate, appropriate to denigrate her. And certainly she didn't uh, deserve to get killed by the Not police, at all. Right. Like, so, um, like that, that I think is, is clear to anyone who's fair and, and rational. Um, I think it is worth noting just as a life lesson, um, you hang around with bad people, you're a more likely to have bad things happen to you. And she certainly did cavort with people who were likely to get her into situations like that. And that's not smart, but it doesn't mean she deserved to die. And certainly, right. Um, certainly it doesn't justify anything that the cops did. However, uh, yeah. So let's, can I just, well, I mean, I can, I have a little, I went through and kind of put together the pieces as I could understand them based on all, all the information. So I can just go over it if you want. Yes, um, I would like to see some. What okay. you? I figured you put something together. Yeah, so I know. thank I you. I know you figured that. It's fine. <laughs> uh, she's she's rolling her eyes, but she relied on me doing it. I rolled. No, I did rely on you. Well, I had a dinner party last night, and I thought Carter's probably preparing right now. Or were you playing Dungeons and Dragons? No, I was preparing. Um, uh, actually, no, I mostly prepared this morning. Uh, last night I was probably playing Smash Bros. But uh, I, I relaxed last night because I was going to prepare uh, during the time that we ended up going live with Gabriel. And then the Gabriel conversation was so exhausting that I was like, I'm just going to sit sit on the couch and play Smash Bros. Uh, so that's what I did. <laughs> okay. So um, on March 13th of this year at 12.40 a.m. in Louisville, the Louisville Metro Police Officers, three Louisville Metro Police Officers, um, Cosgrove, uh, Hankison, and Mattingly, um, served a warrant, quote, served a warrant 
to Brianna's residence. Now, there's a few people that we need to... There's three people that I think are are key to know. There's other names, but there's only three that are key to know to really understand what happened. One is uh, Jamarcus Glover. Um, he was an alleged uh, drug dealer. He had actually been in prison previously. He was heavily involved in drugs and stuff and was the target of, of investigations, uh, has been arrested. He was one of their primary targets. Um, the other person to know, obviously, is Brianna Taylor. Brianna was Glover's ex-girlfriend, but she wasn't just his ex-girlfriend. Um, according to police documents that, that have been, I guess, leaked to the media or obtained, um, so Glover used her phone number and address for various things. So, like, he, he had his car towed and he used her phone number as his own, um, and that he used her address as his address. Uh, I, their bank records on the bank statements, he used her address as his address. And um, mail addressed to him was found at her residence. Now, maybe they just lived together and that's why. But she was living with a guy who, if they did live together, and that's the reason he was still using her address, um, then it's reasonable that that would be a place that gets searched. Um, there's also a question about whether she was managing money for his. According to phone calls that he made, that Glover made from jail um, to the mother of his child, he said, quote, the officers, quote, took my car. They got that bank statement out the armrest. Boom, it got Bree's address on there. And he says, Bree got down like 15 grand. She had the eight I gave her the other day. She picked up another six, he said. Uh, then a moment later, he told the woman that, quote, Bree been handling all my money because she been handling my money. Uh, she been handling shit for me and cause it ain't just me. So, um, there is, there's some involvement potentially there. Um, okay. and then the third person to know is Kenneth uh, Walker, who was Taylor's current boyfriend, who was at the residence during this thing. So here's the timeline. The cops go get his search warrant. Now, by the way, I, can I just pause just personally and say this? I hate the war on drugs. I don't think the war on drugs should exist. All of this could be stopped if there wasn't a war on drugs. So, but if you're going to go with war on drugs as a thing, then you hire police officers to enforce it. And what I'm about to say is what transpires. So, um, so they go get a search warrant for Taylor's residence. Um, the, uh, according to the warrant, um, they saw Glover get a package from Taylor's home. Um, and obviously he used his address on documents. Uh, the search warrant does include her home address her apartment number, photos of her apartment door. Um, it includes her name, her birthday, her social security number, all listed on the warrant. It's untrue if you hear them say, like, they got the wrong house. That's not true. She was on the warrant. Her place was on the warrant. Um, so that's, this was... Okay, well, that's an important point because that was one of the first things I heard about this and believed for a while to be true mm -hmm. was that they got the wrong house. So I did not realize that... They didn't Her get the wrong house the at all. Warrant they, nope. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jamarcus Glover's name was also on the warrant, as was a guy named Adrian, or guy or girl, I don't know who, Adrian Walker. I don't think there's a relationship between Kenneth Walker, her boyfriend, and Adrian Walker. Uh, I think just a common last, common last name. But all three of their names, Glover, this other Walker, and Brianna, were all on the warrant. They also executed a warrant that same night, about 10 miles away from her home, uh, at another house on Elliott Avenue in the Russell neighborhood, that's where they found an arrested Glover. So it sounds like they did simultaneous raids on a couple different properties, which is what you do. 
Um, there is some argument between uh, Taylor's attorneys and the police about whether or not the police falsified the like, changed the time on the raid for the other house. Uh, it says 1240 on the document, but it looks like the 40 is like light and they're saying you just added the 40 later. Uh, it was really 12. So you knew 40 minutes before because they raided Brianna's at 1240 also. Right. So they're like you knew you had the guy already, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter because they're going after evidence. So just because they had Glover doesn't mean they don't still go after Taylor's residence anyway. Um, so basically simultaneously, this is happening. It was a no knock warrant. But police did knock. There's not dispute about that. All right. Uh, Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, said he heard pounding at the door. <laughs> That's called so what's the, knocking. May, can I stop you there and ask you for anyone yes. like me who wants to know, what's the difference between a warrant and a no-knock warrant? And oh. is the act of them knocking, even though they didn't, I guess, presumably didn't have to knock, d does it now make it no different than if it had not been a no-knock warrant? No, it's not no different. Um, so th I, there is some nuance here. And so they knocked. They claim they identified that they were police officers. He claims they never. he never heard an identification. Mm -hmm. So I think a regular warrant, you knock, you say, hi, we're the police. You know, we have a warrant. Um, you know, the person, you know, I, I guess you can force your way in. But I don't. I don't know if you can just barge right in in the middle of the night with a you, you don't just knock and go in. I think a normal warrant, like they serve and talk to you and right. Uh, this is my understanding. I'm not, a, I'm not a cop, but knocking doesn't like make it not a no knock warrant. They still have, they're still behaving in a different way than they would for a normal warrant. Let's put it that way. That much okay. is true. Anyway. So they knock on the door anyway. Uh, they claim they said they were cops. He doesn't hear that, but he hears the knocking. He does call nine one one and he and Brianna Taylor get up out of bed so there's another narrative going around that she was shot in her sleep she was not shot in her sleep she was shot in the hallway he got up he went to the door and as the police were coming in he shot them because he thought that they were intruders so he fired a shot one shot at 12:43 a.m according to the arrest citation and officers fired back he struck uh mattingly the officer mattingly in the leg um and the officers fired back with more than 20 rounds, and Taylor was in the hall and shot on kill. Did he fired first? Is that yes. disputed? No, it was not disputed. Okay. All right. So just to go over some false info, she was not killed in her sleep. They didn't have the wrong address. Uh, her name was on the warrant, right? Um, so that's basically what happened. I mean, that's kind of the, the gist of what happened. Now... In my opinion, Kenneth Walker was totally justified in shooting, completely justified in shooting. Someone breaks in my door in the middle of the night and I don't know that it's cops 100%, I shoot them, like, or I shoot at them. Maybe I get killed or whatever, but what, what the hell was he supposed to do? Um, so I, I think he was absolutely justified in, in shooting. Um, and likewise, if you're going to have laws that say cops can do this, they're kind of justified in shooting back at that point. <laughs> like you are asking for a firefight by saying cops in the name of the war on drugs, you're allowed to kick people's doors open and, and go in guns blazing. Like if that's what you can do, then 
you're asking for gun violence. Like that, you're asking for a war. That's what you're asking for. Um, and I know there's arguments about this safety crap. This is one of the things that bothers me. There's like, well, for the cops' own safety, they have to do that. It's not safe. If you're looking for a person, you can wait till they come out of the house and arrest them when they go to the 7-Eleven. Uh, if you're looking for evidence, you can wait till they leave and sneak in or break in afterwards if you've got a warrant. There's not a reason to scare people who are potentially armed in the middle of the night and go in guns blazing. That's not for cop safety. I don't know what the hell that is. Uh, but if we didn't have the war on drugs, none of this crap would happen. Um, somebody says, so, um, just just to clarify, just there's a lot of chat. You guys yeah. are active today. Some, but somebody says the cops did not go in guns blazing. What are you talking about? Uh, I think that's a matter of semantics. Carter doesn't mean they were firing first. They didn't fire means, first, but they went with, they, they yeah. Yeah, I, I, he, yeah, you're right. Sorry, go ahead. He just meant they went in with guns. Yes. And he, he already stated that uh, Keith fired first. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and also when I Kenneth. say... They go in with guns blazing. I'm kind of speaking generally about a lot of warrants. Like we've now elevated the conversation. We went through the facts about Breonna Taylor and we've elevated the conversation to these no-knock warrants in general and the war on drugs in general. This is what happens when you do this kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I get I get the ups, upset about it. Um, but if <sighs> if you want these laws you're going to have people enforce those laws and this is what you get when you like when the laws are such that this is how they're enforced and this is what you get then like you're going to have mistakes like this because you know and this and then we're going to now we'll just get to the grand jury because I think this is why the grand jury didn't uh didn't indict so there was two things that happened recently one was the settlement so the city of Louisville settled with the family. They reached a $12 million settlement with the family of Breonna Taylor. Um, and this was a civil suit, right? This is a civil suit. Um, they also promised some uh, series of police department reforms. This is the largest settlement in the uh, Louisville police history. Uh, and it's important, you know, when people complain about the settlements, uh, I don't see a reason to complain about settlements. A settlement is a mutual agreement. So it means it's not a verdict. It, they didn't take it to someone and then justice wasn't done. Both sides agreed that this is acceptable to us. So it's a settlement. You can't, you can't be like justice wasn't done. Her, her family decided justice was done. They decided to, to stop and settle for this amount. That's what a settlement is. It's a mutual agreement. Um, so, so that was the civil suit. And then on Wednesday, we learned that the grand jury... Um, they decided that criminal charges should be brought against only one of the officers involved in the death. But um, instead of relating to killing uh, Brianna, the charges for endangering her neighbors with wild shots, want three counts of wanton endangerment in the first degree for, quote, endangering her neighbors with wild shots. So there was no the, – the grand jury decided that there wasn't sufficient evidence to charge any of the three cops in the wrongful death of Breonna Taylor. And again, this isn't the system keeping these people down. A grand jury is regular citizens. Like normies were selected on a grand jury. This is, these, are, these are your fellow residents who were on the grand jury that decided that these cops shouldn't be, there was enough evidence to indict them for the murder of Breonna Taylor. And I think the reason is the law allows the cops to serve the warrants in the way they did. They followed the rule book and they were fired upon 
as you would expect and as they were deserved to be fired upon, uh, and I would have fired upon them too, um, and they shot back, as you would expect. So I think, I think from a legal perspective, the problem is this is all the way it's designed to work. It's, it worked the way it's designed to work, and then an unfortunate thing happened. I don't like the design, and if you're going to protest something, I would say stop protesting law enforcement and protest the laws protest like the laws that's themselves I, that's the point i was about to to make because you're making me think you know the celebrities and the politicians who are who are presumably saying people like kamala harris and biden who are tweeting about this and are presumably saying that there's a miscarriage of justice because the cops were not indicted for doing their job and and that doesn't make any sense. Why are you trying to prosecute individuals for doing for carrying out the law that you've created? Change the law if you right. don't want this to happen. Um, right. And, and it, it, it's almost like, well, we talked to Gabe last night who these are Christians who were arrested for not following the mask ordinance of their local community. My problem is not with the police officers, although I do know that police officers have discretion and and I think I think that police officers should say, well, hey, if I don't if this law, if I think this law violates the Constitution, should, am I more beholden to the mayor and this edict or am I beholden to the people? I think they should ask themselves that question. But at the end of the day, they're following they're doing their job. My problem is with the mask mandates. Yes, although you know, my, I I will say um, I agree. If you don't like the system, it's the it's the laws that need to change, which was which was my point, right? But uh, I don't think that officers are moral. I they're still morally culpable for carrying out immoral laws. So uh, an extreme example is uh, officers that, and I know a lot of people disagree, but officers that enforce drug laws with their own force are cul culpable for enforcing laws that shouldn't be on the books. One that maybe people will agree with is officers that enforce mask ordinances are culpable for choosing to enforce mask ordinances. Like now, are they the only ones culpable? No, you should not have a society in which there's a law, but you're only going to get mad at the guys who enforce it. <laughs> like, no, if you don't want them to enforce it, are they morally culpable? Yes. Are they the problem? Not really. They're not the main problem. The problem is the law in, in and of itself. Um, so that's what needs to change. And, you know, this is I, the reason I put up the word enforcement here is another word for cops is law enforcement officers. They enforce the law. So law enforcement is only as moral as the law. If the law is immoral, yeah. then law enforcement is enforcing immorality. That's what they're doing. Um, yeah, so, so somebody in chat just said, Carrie, they were just doing their jobs. I see. Sounds familiar. I, I replied, yeah, it's a moral problem. That's why I said ethically I have a question for those cops personally. Right. But all I can do, there's no legal recourse for me to go after a cop for doing something that is legal. Yes. Ethically and yes. morally. It's ethically legal. It morally, might be wrong, but it's legal. Right. It might yes. be wrong, but it's legal. Ethically and morally, I can hope they choose something different. But I can't expect to use the law to prosecute them when what they did was within the law. Right. So if I have a problem with the law, then fix the law. Like you just said, they're only going to be as as moral as the law is. Right. So, right. duh. Yeah. And, and it's also like <laughs> what kind of people like, like I don't know how you expect to run a a government in which you put laws on the books telling cops these are the things you can do and you must do to enforce the laws. 
And then when they do them and things don't go well, you're like, yeah, well, you can't do the things that we told you you had to do. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, I don't know. You're just going to get thugs who just want to, like, you're not going to get good police officers for that anyway. Um, but Well, and somebody else points out a distinction about mass mandates are not law, which brings up another good point. Mass mandates, if we're talking about mass mandates, that you're right, that is not a law. And I do believe that they I do believe that these mandates, these edicts that are coming down from local officials are why are mass mandates not law? They're not law. It wasn't it's not legit it's not a legislative body. Legislative bodies have granted power to bureaucracies to pass regulations that are enforced with as laws. Like that's what laws are. They're laws. Really? Yeah, I mean that's like saying like, well, I like uh, I I violated this EPA regulation and now I have to go to jail. It's like, well, it's not the law. Well, it kind of is. Congress passed <laughs> legislation because granting they gave, power because to they do, gave do that. Power, they gave power, for, but but Congress is supposed to write the laws, but they've given power to they give yeah, to welcome to the bureaucracies. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like yes, they've empowered entire bureaucracies to have rules and enforce them, uh, and and you know. The Department of Agriculture agents can carry guns. Why? Because there's rules and they get to enforce the rules. Like, that's how this works, people. Uh, when you empower a bureaucracy to make rules, those rules are laws by extension. I mean, are they constitutional? Absolutely not. I do think they are illegal, but they're not unlawful. They they meet some well, law, somebody... right? Well, somebody else in chat says regulations are not law. Well, yeah, that's how I've always thought of it. It's not a law. And like like the person says in New Mexico, or I, mean, I forget, it's moving too fast. But somebody said their governor did the mass mandate. It's just one person deciding. No one votes on it. You know, that's – it's a regulation. But you're saying it's being treated as a okay, law. Okay, then define law. If you violate the regulation, you go to jail. You violate right. the law, you go to jail. What's the fucking difference between regulation and law? Like I don't know what this means. I guess I guess I'm saying there should be a distinction, but we're not treating them differently. No, there shouldn't be a distinction. What would a regulation like, mean if it weren't enforceable? I think there's something. I, I guess I just go back to the the per, law was supposed to be created by elected officials that vote. Regulations are be, they are they they have they have outsourced their. They've said here, agency X. We want you to do A, B, and C. Whatever rules you want. Write them as long as they meet these guidelines. Those become law. That's the law, right? I mean, a lawyer will take you, if you violate those regulations, a lawyer can take you to a United States court and you can lose and go to jail for violation of those regulations because those regulations are based on law such and such and such that empowered the FCC to do blah, 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 whatever it is. Like, that's how the law works, right? So I don't, I don't see, a, like, there's a distinction without a difference. <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. I get it. Regulations are worse in the sense that, I mean, I hate regulations too. Don't get me wrong. And I don't like that Congress outsources their power, but they have. And so regulations are worse because there can be reams and reams and reams of them and no one's paying attention to what the hell the regulators are doing. And like, they can change them willy-nilly at any moment. And there's very little oversight. And, um, you know, so like, yeah, but that's the system that, Apparently, we voted for. <laughs> I mean, you know, every time every time you want a new regulation, that's what you're 
that's what you're asking. So look, I think you could challenge the validity of some of these mask mandates. I think probably health officials and mayors and governors are um, trying to see what they can get away with according to the powers vested in them by their state legislators. Like, oh, I think we have the power to mandate masks. Like, let's try that. Like, maybe they'll lose. Maybe you could take them to court and it turns out some of these mask mandates are not legal according to lawful according to the law of the state. But I think many of them are. Um, there's a lot of emergency power crap that's granted everywhere because people always use, especially statists, they love using emergency examples as like, well, what if there's a zombie apocalypse? You definitely want the mayor to be able to violate all your rights then, don't you? And everyone's like, right. well, yes, obviously in a zombie apocalypse. So they write, <laughs> right? So they, so then they write like, well, in emergencies. And then it's like, okay, well now what does emergency mean? Pandemic, well, COVID. Who determines? Right. Yeah. That's actually my, not to go into too much of a tangent, but that's been something I've been thinking about recently because I'm not sure what my criteria is for when I think that they should be able to violate my rights. I, and and for some of the friends I have who disagree with me on mask mandates, um, you know, I had a friend who agrees with the mask mandates and I was trying to get to what is the root of our disagreement? Like what, what and I think the root of our disagreement is that her criteria for when the government should be able to violate your constitutional rights is her threshold is lower than mine because the pandemic, right. this pandemic, this right. the coronavirus doesn't meet my thresh my criteria, but, but a zombie apocalypse might. Yeah. And I don't know where that line is for me. Right. And right. I don't know how to be, I, I, I thought about it a lot because I, I don't want it to be just an emotional gut reaction I don't want my opinion to be based solely on gut reaction. It's hard for me to, I haven't threaded out yet, I guess, why, wh where that line is for me and why. Well, someday I'll pull you to the dark side and you'll, you'll, you'll decide never. <laughs> <laughs> and that's intellectually consistent. That's easier because you just say they should never be able to. They should <laughs> even never. In a, even in a zombie apocalypse. Even in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> it is easier. I'll admit that. It's, uh, it's much easier. Um, but yeah, so uh, anyway, the, the Brianna Taylor stuff, I, I, someone mentioned this the other day. I don't remember where, Keith, Keith might remember where, um, it might've been in one of our, in the comments somewhere, but um, maybe even it was Keith that mentioned, I don't remember. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird that people are not, uh, it's not weird. It's telling that people are not protesting the root cause of some of these things, right? These aren't mass protests for ending the war on drugs, for example, and mass incarceration. Like, they're not really making those arguments. They're picking on specific instances of sometimes bad behavior, sometimes just ambiguous behavior or unfortunate circumstances that actually aren't bad behavior uh, in some cases. Uh, and they're picking on these and saying that the, the cops are racist and blah, 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 and it needs to be reformed, but they're not like if social justice were a thing, um, which I, obviously I don't believe it is like social justice is a corruption of the term justice. But if you cared about, let's say people of color in quotes being treated unjustly, you would look at the incarceration rates in the United States and you would say, oh. We have more people in prison than anyone else in the world. Uh, and 
a lot of those people are are there for nonviolent drug laws, and a lot of those people are black. Mm, maybe that's what we should be arguing against. Maybe maybe our protests, maybe instead of pussy hats, we should be going to Washington and protesting the war on drugs. Uh, but they're not. Uh, they're not doing any of that stuff. They're 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 protesting because I don't think they want to end the war on drugs because the war on drugs has enabled a massive apparatus of police surveillance and uh, police state tactics. I mean, the war on drugs is why crappy little police departments can buy, <laughs> you know, huge armored vehicles and fun toys to go blow crap up with. I mean, the war on drugs enables a lot of fun swap stuff. But here you're getting to the root of the problem. Which is that right. when when you say they don't really want to end the war on drugs because the war on drugs has enabled this mass surveillance and all they these, want the mass given surveillance. all these they powers. Just want control of it. Yeah. But, but wait, let me let me finish. They what does they mean? Here's the problem. They means I think the deep state, the elite, the powers that be, they don't want to end the war on drugs. But all of these puppets in the streets, these puppets at the BLM protests and the pussy hat protests and whatever, those puppets, if you were to say to them you're not protesting against the war on drugs because you don't want to end the war on drugs because it's created a mass surveillance state. They would they would argue and say, no, I'm against mass surveillance. That's because they're puppets. They don't realize the only reason they're in the street protesting and rioting is because someone is pulling their strings to do so. And they're not self-aware and conscious enough to, to even if you were to ask people, why are you out disrupting random people who are having dinner? Why are you interrupting their dinner and turning over tables and water glasses and telling them to put up the BLM fist? They can't get past the talking points they've been programmed with by their masters. This is like a modern day form of mental slavery. You are slaves to the system. You're out there. Uh, you're not out there protesting anything that's going to make any of the things you claim you think you think you're out there on behalf of marginalized communities and against systemic injustice and no you're out in the streets on behalf of the people on behalf of the powerful people who want to continue mass surveillance who want to continue controlling us like you're a part of the system and you're so blind and you don't take you don't take a second to step outside of yourself and deeply think about what it is that you believe in and and investigate where the real injustice is coming from. These people don't do anything other than receive opinions and instructions, and then and then they're so um, they're such zombies. They're not autonomous enough to even realize that these are not your motivations. That and and these are not your the behaviors you're being programmed with are not your own conscious decisions. You're puppets. Yeah, but it's yes, they are. But that's because we have puppet factories, and we've had yeah. puppet factories for decades. Like that's what you get, right? When you turn your education system into a puppet factory, you don't be surprised when you get puppets at the end. Like yeah, yeah, that's because that's what that's what we built. We built puppets, and you know there's I've a, seen videos of just ahead. real last final point. I've seen videos of the the unrest. I'm sure we're going to talk about it in Louisville and some of the other cities. And I'm watching these people just mass chaos, throwing stuff at projectiles at police, overturning tables and dinner and running through the streets. And, and I'm watching this thinking, how sad that you're not in control. You, you've given up your agency, that you're just a puppet on a string who's being who can't get past the 
the, the, I've already said this, but you can't get past the talking points you've been programmed with. You can't have a serious, deep conversation with anyone, anyone, even the people who agree with you. I doubt you can have a, a deep conversation about your motivations and what you think the end results are going to be. I'm sure I'll get crucified for this metaphor, Carrie, but uh, <laughs> they're like packs of wild animals and, and, the, and the leaders know where to throw the meat and how to get them to just go, go, go tear some crap down. Like that's, you know, well, yeah, like in the, like in a video game, it's the NPC metaphor. Yeah. I've been playing Far Cry 4 lately. It's like when I throw bait and then I send the NPC animals after the bait instead of after me. Yeah. It's exactly, it's like, throw the bait, go over there, do this, tear all this down, destroy uh -huh. your own communities, yep. get rid of the police, which 80% of people don't want, but go ahead and do all of, wreak all of this havoc, and while you're doing it, we're going to program you with the false belief that you're part of the resistance. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. I look there. There, I I've said this before, but I I I do want to make this point. If you want to oppose, if you actually want to be part of the resistance, there's a metaphorical gun in the room. Uh, there's a gun, government's gun, controlling people's lives, having all this regulation and laws. If you want to resist, you resist the existence of the gun in the room. You say no one should have this power. Instead, what they are doing is they want to wrestle control of the gun. For themselves this is why i think this is why you never hear them let's just think about uh wars on some abstract things because those are my favorite wars on abstract concepts are the best because they never end the war on poverty uh poverty has gotten worse war on drugs uh drugs have gotten worse war on terror i don't know if it's gotten worse but it certainly hasn't gone away uh our liberties have gotten worse for all three of those they don't they're not out saying let's end these things. Let's let's dismantle the police state apparatus. They're out there saying like, no, we want control. When they say defund the police, they don't. What they mean is we want control over uh, all those cool toys that the police got. We want control over them and we want the power uh, to do our thing, not just we don't like the thing they're doing. And uh, someone in chat mentioned um, asset forfeiture laws. We don't have to get into those, but. They're another one that's just cops use them. Police, police, uh, uh, police departments use them across the country. They're one of the most abhorrent forms of theft. Uh, imagine. I mean, they're worse than taxes in terms of in terms of their like principled violation of property rights. They're they're, they're horrible. Maybe not worse than taxes. That's hard. But they're really really bad. Um, and you know. Asset forfeiture is something that police departments use to subsidize their toy budget so they can go <laughs> buy more crap. Uh, you know, we definitely have gone are the days of Andy Griffith, right? We have we have our police departments in major cities look like military units in other parts of the world. Uh, and that should scare you. By the way, <laughs> LVAC in chat says, if you haven't, you should look at the Harry Anslinger. Anyone who hasn't looked into Harry Anslinger should look into Harry Anslinger. He's the he's the father of the war on drugs. He's a horrible racist, like crazy, like overt racist, horrible, horrible human being. Uh, but <clears throat> there you go. The, war on drugs. The, well, to, to your point about the war on abstract things, I mean, look at what social justice warriors claim to be fighting. And social justice has become so predominant, so so dominant culturally now. And they claim to be fighting the war on racism and sexism, right? What have they done? They've increased racism and sexism. Right. They're actively making this a more racist and sexist country. 
right? Just like the war on poverty. <clears throat> yeah. Get, poverty, I don't know if anyone knows, but just had on the side. Poverty in the United States had been declining steadily and, and got dangerously low for the people in the state who like poverty. Uh, so they needed to enact the war on poverty, and it's gone up ever since. So, And what's the solution? Oh, well, we're not doing enough. The war on poverty, we're not doing enough for the war on poverty. So we need to do more of the thing that we did that started to make it worse. Um, anyway. <sighs> Let's do some super chats, Gary. And then, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just while you're pulling up the first super chat, uh-huh. you're making me think of something. Last night at my dinner party, one of my guests, and I don't know if I should name him or not, so I won't. Otherwise, I'd give him credit. But he made me laugh so hard because... He made me. He started talking about the war on women. How the left says that there's a war on women, <laughs> and he said he made me think about it in a different way because he was saying it's such a weird, it's such a weird way to criticize a conservative position on things like abortion. So pro-lifers, for example, he said if there's a bunch of guys who are really sitting around and the you know and in the morning they're like ah time to get to work on the war on women today. And, and you know, like, right. I want to, <laughs> I want to control, you, you should have to raise your child or give it up for adoption. This is how I'm going to war on women. And, and he was saying like, I don't know, I'm not, he made me laugh. I'm not doing it justice, but he said he almost wants to see people wearing hats. Cause it's such a, it's such a hyperbolic phrase to say that the people who disagree with you politically on abortion rights are engaged a in a war on women. on women that they hate women that they're fighting. He's like, Oh, we're just going to crush these women. <laughs> and like, what if you had hats that said like U S veteran of the war on women? <laughs> like, like there probably are hats somewhere that say there. that Gary. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. You but you know, if there is like, a war on women, uh, it's coming <laughs> from the trans community, the radical trans community. Um, it's coming from the left and it's in the form of, uh, it's a war on women's sports. If there's a war on women, it's it's a war on women's sports. Women's sports, uh, yeah. But yeah. All right, let's do let's do our super touch. Nemo, Nemo Sundry, thank you, Nemo. <clears throat> Nemo thank says you, Nemo. Any suggestions for fostering new non woke communities? After my whole job network shunned me, I've been more isolated. Most people around me are woke, including church, only a few close friends left. Uh Nemo, I love your question. Thank you. Uh I'm sorry I said duh to you earlier, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, Nemo, look, I think it, it, it's funny. I was having this conversation last night too, about the cumulative effect of social media and whether it's been a net positive or net negative for us. And there's certainly a lot of positives from it. I still think maybe overall it's been a net negative, but uh, the positives are many. And one of those is that you can find people who are like-minded in in like-minded meaning they believe in in an open exchange of ideas and civility and discussion and and of the importance of disagreement the the constructive benefits of disagreeing with people who are your friends with and we have a telegram community for unsafe space listeners they can go on telegram and chat with other people um you can join that community and and make real world connections that start as online connections yeah there are other places. I know Helen Pluckrose has a Discord server, um, and I've a lot of the people I now know in real life who've become my friends, who are fellow wrong thinkers. I met online originally. Yeah, yeah, ditto. Um, I know for jo- you mentioned your job network. You can go to unwoke.hr for job stuff, but for personal things, 
I, you know, I've been, I've been noodling this for a while and I have, I don't have a good solution, <clears throat> but I'd like to eventually enable the unsafe community, safe space community to start splinter communities that are local and real, like actual local real meetups in some way. And I'm not sure how to facilitate that without giving ourselves a lot of work. The reason we haven't, didn't do discord is they'd probably kick us off. Uh, Discord's not really, you can't trust discord for this kind of stuff probably, but, um, in the long run, but, uh, I think it's, I think it would be good. I mean, we're trying to build an online community like that. And I think there may be a, a way for us to start facilitating that. And it's something that I know Carrie would be interested in as well. And like, uh, thinking of ways that we can use our community to allow people who are near each other physically to come together and actually maybe make some real life friends, not just online friends. Um, but. And as far as your church being woke, there are people I know who are staying in woke churches and trying to turn the church around. And I have nothing but respect for those people, but I couldn't do that. I am now, I found a blessedly Bible-based church, and I would say just continue your search. Continue your search. And if you know someone who's a pastor or preacher who has maybe a position at a woke church, like, you, you know, start your own. Start your own church. People will come. People like you are hungry for non-woke, rational thought. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And I don't, and I, I don't know, maybe Christians will disagree, but <clears throat> hey, I grew up Christian. Uh, I don't think you need a, th a seminary degree to start a church. Uh, I, I just think you need to put the time in and put the work in and uh, start a church if that's what you want to do. So, all right. To a self-defense law, thank you, to a self-defense law, says such warrants are issued where an entry would lead to the destruction of the objects for which the police are searching or would compromise the safety of the police or another individual. I've heard this phrase before. <laughs> so, uh, This is for no-knock warrants? Yeah. So the destruction of the objects for which the police are searching, those objects are almost always drugs. That's why, like, it's like, oh, okay, well, if you didn't have the warrant on drugs, you wouldn't need to search for bags of cocaine because you wouldn't care. Um, I guess you might, you know, looking for the knife that was used in a crime or something, but knives are hard to flush down toilets. So destruction's hard to accomplish for, uh, for most things. I've heard this phrase before where it's like, for which the police would, would compromise the safety of the police or another individual. I don't understand that half of that phrase at all. I, I don't understand what's the rationale for that being the safest option. As I mentioned, uh, wait for people to leave and sneak in or go in when they're not there. Wait for the guy to go to 7-Eleven and arrest him there. Like there are ways to not compromise your safety or the safety of innocence that are better than kick down the door at 1 a.m. I like, I, I just, people use that all the time. Well, it's for the safety. That's not a rational argument. Tell me examples where it's safer because I've never heard one. I've never heard of an example how that's safer than other options. Um, I think it's just fun. And by the way, I, Carrie's probably done this too, but like, look, I've done, I've done fun HRT training and, and flushing out a building and doing, it's fun. It's fun to go, you know, into a place, kick down doors and shoot uh, fake bad guys. So I, it's probably fun to do in real life too, but uh, you know, that doesn't mean it's the safest option. <laughs> Two-way self-defense law, again, thank you. 
saying in the law, it may be awful, but it's lawful. Yeah. Okay. So he's explaining the law. That yeah. That that I that I think I've, I've that's probably where I heard that phrase. Uh, Keith the Hat Guy. Carrie, do you want to see this one? Can you do it or no? Uh, you do it. I can't see it. Uh, Keith but the Hat Guy says, "I was just doing my job. Didn't work well in the Nuremberg trials. There are higher standards than legislation and policy, even for cops. Yeah, there certainly ought to mm-hmm. be. I mean, the just doing my job thing is like." I don't, that's never true in movies. Like no one has ever like, stop shooting the stormtroopers. They're just doing their job. (laughs) Yeah, they're part of the empire. You shoot the stormtroopers. Like, like no one seems to care about this uh, until it comes to like our stormtroopers. All right. Um, Pirate Tomsky. Thank you, Pirate Tomsky. Oh, swear jar funds. Yeah, I swore. (laughs) Sorry. Who swore? I did. Did you swear? I swore. Yeah. I think I even used the F word. I don't remember. Uh, Oh, another one from Pirate Tomsky. Uh, Aren't we living in a zombie apocalypse with all the woke NPCs running around? (laughs) Yes, yes, we are. That's an excellent point. We're already in a zombie apocalypse, and it's worse than the movies um, because they look like everyone else. And they, yeah. Um, Mandy. Thank you, Mandy. Mandy says, the Colby Covington UFC win is what happens when a BLM activist finally fights someone who isn't a senior citizen or a child. I have not been following UFC. Have you, Carrie? No. Okay. Um, but thank you, Mandy. Hi. Mandy's uh, <laughs> Mandy's one of my favorite Russian bot friends. Oh, She's always pointing out that I'm a Russian bot. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well... Welcome, Russian bots. All right. Uh, TM Stani23 says, thank you, says, uh, in Rules for Radicals, one of the tactics is make the enemy live up to his own book of rules, but not follow them yourselves. Hence, by all means. Yeah, that's the Saul. He's referring to Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, if you haven't read it. Um, And in fact, I think Hillary Clinton did a paper on this in college. It might have been her PhD Thing, but I know she wrote about this. She was, uh, he was pretty influential. If that gives you any idea about uh, where she's coming from, but um, yeah, they're they they're pretty clear about their a. Uh, I won't say amoral. Ta- they're immoral, but they're like they're amoral tactics in a sense that they don't care about hypocrisy, living up to their own standards, and um, they've thought through how to really uh, how to really do some of this. Uh, intellectual warfare or emotional What's warfare. interesting about that, if you guys, again, yeah, if you haven't read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, you should, because what's interesting about it is once you start diving into this stuff, it's amazing to see how much of it is out there publicly available. They're not ashamed of it. They write it down. They tell you, we are going to be hypocrites. It is good to be a hypocrite. This is how you win, is to be a hypocrite. That's what that mm-hmm. rule is about. And and uh, students for SDS, students for Democratic Society, if you go back and look at some of their stuff from the 60s and 70s, I think it was 60s and 70s, they were very open. They had a list of goals. And one of those goals was for the Marxists to infiltrate every field of expertise, to infiltrate academia, the media, journalism, entertainment, healthcare. You know, they and they've done that. But it, 
but they're open about it. It's funny when you talk about this stuff to someone who is an NPC, who's not a deep thinker, who's just a programmed puppet and they, they're not familiar. It's, it's almost like you're following this rule book that you've never even read. Doesn't that make you feel stupid and used and not a person with agency? You know, wake up. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough to watch because They've just for decades, they've just said openly what they're going to do. And anyone who bothers to say, look what they're saying, gets dismissed. It's like, oh, they're not going to. Yeah. That's just that's just intellectual talk. They're not going to. I'm like, no. Yeah, they'll, they, it, they're doing it. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, they'll oh. even say. So a lot of the people when I was a social justice warrior, if you had told me that I was a Marxist, that, that I was following a kind of Marxism that had mutated and was based around identity and power rather than around class and wealth, I would have said, oh, it's conspiracy. Marxism, I'm not a Marxist. I'm not even familiar with Marxism. Yeah, because you're a non-thinking robot. You're a puppet for this ideology. You don't even know the, the background, the roots of your belief system. If if you're alive but, in America today and you're not familiar with Marxism, you're probably a Marxist. Yeah, you're probably a Marxist and you <laughs> you're blind. Like go read about it and then look at Marxism and look at the sit down and write out what are the actual tenets of this belief system I'm in and do they match up? Try an exercise in thinking for once. Yep. All right, uh, next chat. Can you see Sue Escobar's chat, Carrie, or you want me to read it? Yeah, hi, Sue. Sue Escobar says, I've heard a recent analysis of these riots, the statements on mass, et cetera, in terms of the Stanford prison experiment, obedience to authority. This is a big experiment to see the human reaction thoughts. I definitely, well, I think the Stanford prison experiment is very interesting I haven't heard the analysis you're talking about, but I want to. I want to read this now uh, because I do think this is whether there's whether there's uh, you know someone some agency or something in the deep state who's who's consciously saying let's try this out as an experiment. I don't know if that's true, but I know that the way it's functioning, just like our, our disagreement earlier about regulations and laws, so it's like regulations are no different than laws and how they're carried out and enforced. Well. Whether there's somebody pulling strings and and saying we're going to do an experiment or not, this is an experiment. You don't have to have someone consciously saying let's do an experiment for it to be an experiment. We are witnessing the results of this kind of experiment. We're witnessing – look at all these videos that are being posted every day where you see people behaving in horrible ways. It's bringing out the worst parts of ourselves, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, another, if you're interested in obedience to authority, we, you might want to go watch the book club discussion we had because uh, we did read Ordinary Men, which was about that. Um, and uh, by the way, welcome uh, Sue Escobar. She's a new subscriber. Um, but uh, also read about the Milgram experiment. There's a Stanley Milgram has a book about the Milgram experiment, um, and it's pretty eye opening. It's it's a quick read, and he walks through. Uh, at the risk of using a pun, it's shocking. Uh, oh, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. But he, uh, it's really interesting how far people will go, and he studies what's necessary for people to um, 
listen to obey authority and and what's not like how how willing they're how willing they are to do bad things to other people depending on um what what's the justification and so it's 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 quite uh it's quite interesting so if you're not familiar with the milgram experiment absolutely read that one too okay channel julio Um, you want to read that one 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 quick note on that though i did read an article recently i'll have to try and find it so we can put it in the notes on this video but sue i did read an article recently about a couple of studies done about mask wearing and that was interesting because it told us what what common sense would would dictate anyway but it told us that two different studies one they did with children and wearing Halloween masks versus not wearing masks. And they showed that children who were wearing the masks were like 60% more likely to disobey the rules on how much candy to take. And wouldn't it make sense? You're anonymous, right? And and they did another study where they had people do embarrassing things, hold embarrassing signs on a street corner, and they would pay them a certain amount of money if they would hold this humiliating thing. And they found that if they were wearing a mask, they could pay them a lot less money to get them to do the humiliating behavior. That also is common common sense. It's almost like how on the internet, the internet is a kind of mask and people behave in much worse ways online in ways that they would not do person to person. And I would say they also engage in some humiliating behavior that they would never want anyone to see them behaving in. Um, yeah, and that that comports with the Milgram um, uh, experiments too, where people were more vicious if they were not seen and seeing the person they were hurting, right? Um, but the more closer and more personal it got, the the less they were willing to inflict pain. Um, someone said in chat, I read that the study was debunked, but I'm not sure what the details were. I've not read that it's been debunked, and having read the book, which includes the study. I don't know how you debunk it. They did some things. I mean, unless it turns out like this was all a big lie. I don't think it can be debunked. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that means, but I'm sick of people saying that study has been debunked. Uh, a lot of things are crappy studies. I get it, but I need more information than just like that's been debunked. The left loves to say that about stuff they don't like. Um, not, that the, not that the person saying that was on the left. It's just. No, um, but, I, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't. I can't imagine having read it. I can't imagine how one would debunk it. Uh, it's not that complex of a study, so uh, you know whatever. But I mean, I think we. It also comports with what we see uh, in real world situations. So like, it's not surprising results. It's been like that. Those results have generally been replicated. So uh, all right, um, let's see. Channel Julio. Julio. Channel Julio says the irony is that the Department of Defense has issued obsolete military vehicles to local police departments, but the local police departments are not using it against the rioters. <laughs> well, they're not using it using it against these rioters, <laughs> right? Uh, Just wait till you have a prayer without masks, then the armored vehicles will come out. <laughs> then, don't worry, they're saving up. You know, you don't need those. You don't need the heavy equipment for BLM. All right, uh, Richard Petz. Thank you, Richard. He says, hi, Carrie and Carter. I'm late to the discussion. Hi, Richard, and thank you, Richard, for your super chats yesterday during our impromptu live stream with Gabe Wrench. I saw you in there. We were just trying to stay in the discussion with him, so we weren't we weren't reading super chats, but I appreciate it. I tried to put them on the screen, though, so hopefully everyone's super chats yesterday got on the screen, even if we didn't verbally acknowledge them. You want to do the next one? 
Um, sure. Let's see. Lieutenant Silver, Cyber, Lieutenant Cyber. Prayers or thoughts for Dr. Ron Paul, who appeared to suffer a stroke during a live stream. Oh, wow. I had oh, not heard that. Uh, I hadn't heard that. That, that will be... That will be the end of an era. Uh, Ron Paul was like the last politician that had real libertarian principles that was like mainstream, kind of mainstreamy, right? Um, his son's okay, but uh, but not like Ron Paul. That's a shame. I hope he's okay. Um, <sighs> I did dream of Ron Paul presidencies in my youth, but they never happened. Um, Richard Petz. I thought I thought you were about to tell me you had a dream about Ron Paul last night. No. <laughs> Which... no. Uh, Richard, do you want to do Richard? Richard. Oh, there you are again, Richard. Hi. He says, those of sound mind and ethics need no audience. The woke absolutely needs one. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. I, I think I know what that that quote is about or your your comment is about and i agree well i mean if you if you are in a if you're a, this is one of the i think this is one of the problems with getting um like minarchists liber like actual like small government libertarian like small libertarians together is uh They kind of just want to leave each other alone, so they don't have this feeling like I've got to go round up people and get like a a bunch of people to agree with me on this thing, so we can all go have this political action. They're all kind of like, yeah, I like leaving people alone, and they can leave me alone, and that's like it's it's actually quite. I think that's related. It's kind of a hard it's a hard thing to do, uh, but people that um, really are into being busybodies, it's it matters very much that they can amass a mob. Okay, you want to do Rebecca? Rebecca Pirate Queen. We have got a lot of pirates today. Uh, Rebecca Pirate Queen, thank you. She says, when they tell you who they are, believe them. Yes, yeah. yes. By the way, that I've told Carrie about personal relationships before as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of a relationship, when they tell you who they are, believe them. Listen. Often, the truth is just right out there in the open, and you are not listening. Um, so, One day, Carter's going to do a dating advice book. Hopefully, in my dreams, I've made so many mistakes that I have all. I know all the not to dos. Uh, don't I know the <laughs> don't dos? All right, uh, Mandy. Thank you, Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Carrie is a smooth criminal Russian bot today. Beep boop, Shimon. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh yeah, this is my old hat. I I kind of moved in. I got really enamored with my brown my new brown hat that I've been wearing for a few months. And so I'm bringing out the old, the weather's getting cool enough here. I'm bringing out the old black hat. Uh, you want to do Bonnie Moore? Bonnie Moore. Let's see. I got to scroll. Bonnie, thank you. Carrie, does your church do virtual sermons? And if not, would you and Bradley consider it? Bonnie, yes. We don't do, our, my church doesn't do live streaming, but they do record all the sermons and put them up the next day. So We'll put the link in the... I think the link is in um, the description already for the YouTube channel yeah, for your church. Yeah, yeah. or we can add, throw it in this one too. But yeah, go to that that interview with, with Bradley. If you look in the video description where it tells you all the info about the video, there should be a link to Church on the Square, and you can see all the videos there. Yep. And they're really... I think I... You know, he he's amazing. And my atheist friends really enjoy listening to his sermons too. If that tells you anything about what kind of sermon you're going to get. It's very... 
left-brained in some ways. It's interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one, Carrie, you want to do Royal Delirium? I don't see that one. You do that one. Royal Delirium says, thank you, Royal Delirium. Royal says, Ron Paul Twitter account posted a picture of him in the hospital smiling, saying he is okay. Well, that is good news. Um, now if we can just upload his consciousness into the Department of Education and then virally transmit it out throughout the country, uh, we can take over the educational system and in you know a few decades, we'll have our country back. All right, I think that's the end of, uh, I think we made it through <laughs> the Super Chats. Um, let's Mana see. Lua says, that advice about the beginning of a relationship is so true. It usually ends because of it, and suddenly you remember the beginning. Yes, this is why journaling is good. Even if you don't consider yourself a writer, journaling is very good because I'm amazed at the amount of things you can know and learn and then forget and if you if you journal, you can look back and say, oh, like I should have been reading my old entries to remind myself that I already knew this thing three years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times you're just in limerence and you're overlooking things and, uh, you know, you'll be like, uh, he said that he was all these bad things. And you're like, yeah, but he's so nice. It's like, all right, well. When you get over that, let me know. He'll go, or you want to save those bad you things. You want to save people. You have a complex. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. All right, Carrie. There's a bunch of other stuff we could talk about, but uh, since I pushed us in the first topic, do you have anything you really want to discuss? I'm pretty. I'm pretty open today. I had some thoughts just about. I was a little surprised because of all the different kinds of polarization that have been happening and the majority of the polarization and the unfriending that I see happening is along woke lines mm -hmm. that I had, we don't have a lot of time to have the kind of arguments we used to have the, the comfortable freedom to, to, to do like, like the argument that you and Gabe had yesterday about reason and faith and God, those sort of seem not as pressing now because we're fighting this culture war. And I can't remember the last time I had like an actual argument. Like even with Bradley, I didn't really argue that yeah. much. Uh, I can't remember the last time I had a like an, an atheist versus Christian argument, which by the way was totally unexpected and not my intention to have. But like it was it like, was wow, good. this is like 10 years ago when we used to argue about stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. I had reason to be reminded of those kind of arguments that we haven't had in a while this morning too, because I posted uh, Patty Polit Politics, Patricia Wilson, who people may recognize her name. She was in the Uncle Tom documentary and I hope to have her on the show, but she is a homesteader and a farmer and she makes her own fur hats, fur and leather goods, sustainable handmade goods and they're beautiful. She's these beautiful raccoon hats. And so I had shared a picture of her raccoon hat and someone was upset and said it was sad because it's a dead animal. And I'm okay with people disagreeing with me on that topic. I understand it's, it's a, uh, it's a moral disagreement there because, and, and also maybe an ethical one. I, I, I know that fake fur and fake leather, are worse for the environment. I mean, I, 
I used to work in handmade cowboy boots. I love handmade leather products. And I think they are a lot better. I think evidence shows that they're a lot better for the environment and they're sustainable and they're lifelong products instead of they're slow fashion instead of fast fashion. Um, but what was interesting to me was that I lost a couple friends and over it. And I was thinking, wait a minute, are, are these friends, am I losing friends because of the, the vegan animal debate? Like that's been a while since I've, since we've been able to have this kind of polarization or argument. And it just, it was just a funny thing to think about. I was like, Oh, people still are very, you know, passionate about their disagreements on this topic, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, I get it. Like if, if it's a moral argument, a lot of vegans and vegetarians, there's a moral argument against. It's like the killing is bad. The killing itself is bad. Right. So mm -hmm. you, you can't make arguments about like, well, it's better for the environment. They'll be like, well, yeah, but you, because you know. it's moral because they view the murder, the murder of the animal, they call it murder, but they right. and they view that as immoral. Right. So we have a difference in morality there. Right. I, I say guess. that as a carnivore, by the way, who uh, totally loves eating animals and will never stop eating animals, likely. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's I think that's the heart of the. And I, I used to be vegetarian. I was never vegan. I was vegetarian for a short time, like a year or two. And then I was pescatarian for about 23 years. Um, I now eat other kinds of meat, not just seafood, but I just haven't, it, it, it just reminded me that I would like to get back to a world where we have these kind of discussions and arguments and disagreements over things like this, instead of feeling as, as if the most pressing thing is to push back, back against social, against this, this ideology that makes those that, that would have those kind of arguments not exist where you won't get to have differences of opinion. Right. You know, I want to get back to a place where we can have those differences of opinion instead of just fighting the ideology that says you can't disagree on anything. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we'll know that we've won when we can go back to atheists and theists can go back to arguing. But right now <laughs> we're like united against, uh, there's, <laughs> there's, Marxists trying to take over, <laughs> like let's go defeat yeah. them, and then uh, then we can go argue about God. Uh, yeah. So, um, I had I, I had a discussion the other day with uh, I'm gonna get geeky for a minute, nerdy, right. not geeky. Um, I had a discussion the other day with a friend of mine, and uh, he <clears throat> he was arguing for that COVID was really, really bad. And I was, you know, I haven't been paying attention to that month or two to the numbers. Like I stopped paying attention to the numbers mostly. And so, um, I was kind of unprepared to have the conversation and he was like a parent and, and he's, he's the kind of guy who gets basically all his news from mainstream media. So, uh, he made this argument of, well, the overall death count is much higher this year and you can't argue with that like it doesn't because i was saying like well there's comorbidity causes and blah 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 and i knew some of the details and and he was like yeah but if you just look at the total number of people that have died versus what who normally dies in this year there's way more and therefore we know there's a problem um and i was like well that's actually that's actually a pretty compelling argument uh, what are the numbers of, of course i was like what are the numbers how do you find them now incidentally it's extremely difficult to find simple numbers for any of this stuff. It's really hard. It's almost as if no one wants you 
to find the numbers yeah. yourself. Hmm. Hmm. They want you to only trust the experts. But uh, I did find some numbers. I'm gonna share. I want to share just a COVID update. Uh, I want to share a couple things with you. I get this is going to be nerdy, and I apologize, but I'm going to try and make it as as non-nerdy as possible. I like nerdy. Let's do it. All right, all right. So here's my raw spreadsheet. I did not have time to make this beautiful. I'm going to – we're not going to look at the numbers in the raw spreadsheet. I'm just going to explain it to you for a second. So what I did is I went to um, – uh, I got populations by year. I looked at um, some CDC numbers, uh, and what I did was I looked at per month from the year 1999 – to the year 2019, how many people died per month? So this is the raw data from the CDC. Now you can argue you don't trust CDC data, but whatever. Okay, that, so that's the raw data. And I also got the population estimate every year. And the reason I got the population estimate is look, comparing raw data from 1999 to 2019 or 2020 doesn't make sense because there's more people. So what I wanted to do was find out the actual rates. So I said, okay, well, what's the death rate per 100,000 people? And I, I calculated the death rate for all those years. Then I calculated the average death rate for each month, you know, figuring maybe there's differences between months. So what's the average death rate for each month? And you just see it varies a little bit. Okay, it's the average death rate every month. And that's for, again, 1999 through 2019. That's a 21-year 20, uh, window, roughly 20-year window. Um, and I, you know, just for shits and kicks, I calculated the standard deviation so that I could see, okay, 78 with a standard deviation of, 4.72, 69 with the standard deviation of 2.7. Okay. So then I said, all right, um, what if we look at, uh, what if we look at this and we take the current population and we multiply it by what we expect? What's our expected, without COVID, what would our expected deaths be per month? And they are here. Sorry, I didn't fix this, but this is January, February, March, April, right? So they're here. And, um, and, uh, I, I Can you say at, what that number is? Cause I'm having trouble seeing it. On sorry. The well, I, the important thing is going to be the difference anyway. So okay. I, I looked at this and I said, okay, well, how do they compare? I said, okay, well, when I first, when I first looked at this, I said, okay, well, our expected, so for example, January, 256,000, February, 229,000. March, 244,000. I said, okay, well, what do the CDC say the data actually is? And the CDC said, well, it's 263,000, 243,000, and 268,000. And so I have a look at that. I said, there is a difference. And it looks like there were some, some deaths early on that were higher than normal. Um, in fact, in January, less than a standard deviation away from norm. In February, more than a standard deviation. And in March, way more than a standard deviation. But then... Um, I, I went to the actual human mortality database because these CDC numbers for 2020 are kind of weird because um, they don't, and they're only the first three months and I wanted more data. And the human mortality database um, has data all the way through August and their numbers are slightly different. Uh, their numbers are 238, 230, 280, 215. And they go all the way through August. Um, and their rates are comparable I'm going to skip all this data and show you the graph because the graph is the best way to see this. So the average, now remember the average is going to be more smooth because it's 20 years averaged together, right? The average death, now I'm comparing death rates. The average death rate per 100,000 people is this blue line. From, here's January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. The red line is 2020. 
January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. A little bit more variance in this year, but that's to be expected because we're comparing it against an average where there's going to be less variance, likely. Um, and this doesn't really look like there's a huge problem this year. I don't see this huge difference in death rate this year. And it turns out, lucky me, someone else did this too. Um, <laughs> there's a, our world in data, which you can look, look at, and they, they analyzed excess mortality. And what you see is, this kind of matches a mix of my two analyses, but there was some early on, there was some deaths, the death rate was higher, mortality, and then it kind of dropped, and we're almost back to kind of normal. So there were some deaths that were above average. Now, their average is only 2015 to 2019, um, and they're doing raw death numbers, not death rate. So I would say my method is better um, because I'm comparing apples to apples more than they are. But And actually, my method makes these lines closer together, oddly enough. But... Uh, this is Can you tell anybody are. who's confused why death raw death numbers are different than death rate? It, it's because the population grows. Yeah, because the population is not constant, right? So yeah. if you have 100 million people and half of them die, that's different than if you have a billion people and uh, 50 million die, right? It's the same raw number, but uh, obviously one is much worse than the other. You get so, better information to look at the rate. Right. So, to I'm, so I was looking at the rate, right? So my stuff is, this is the death rate. Um, and this is the raw, raw deaths. And I, you know, I can tell everyone where I, like, I got all this data. I just did the analysis myself. This isn't rocket science. Um, and it's not, I'm not, I'm not presupposing anything about coronavirus. I'm not trying to figure out like, oh, this number was like, there's comorbidities and this and that. This has nothing to do with COVID. This is just how many people die every January? How many people die every February? Just counting them up and using publicly available data. And you know, my summary is, it looks like there was an increase in death earlier on, and it looks like we're kind of settling out to about where we were, and it's the, the difference isn't that dramatic. Um, so I don't know what you want to conclude from that other than what we've already concluded, which is they really love pandemics because they want to control us and force us to wear masks and do all this other stuff. But uh, I think and it's like Sue said, this is a giant experiment in control. Yes. I yeah. Think. Right. Um, and Elva Caro in chat says, to be fair, you need to take into account drops and other things like auto accident deaths. Yeah. So there is going to be a, there's an assumption built into comparing year to year, which is you're assuming that all the other deaths are, averaging out to near null. They're canceling themselves out in some way. Maybe you should argue the death rate should be decreasing every year and it's not. So I guess you could do a more detailed analysis there. But this isn't, um, I think pretty clearly, you don't look at this and say, this is a zombie apocalypse. You don't look at this and say, this is a massive pandemic. You look at this and say, yeah, there's, there's an issue, but it's kind of what we've been saying all along. It's not the flu but it's not, this isn't a catastrophe. It's really not a catastrophe. And I don't think the numbers bear out any analysis that's like, so many people are dying. It's un, like, it's crazy. Like, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. That doesn't appear to be true. Um, so Taxera says, never let a good crisis go to waste. I just wanted to share that with people because it was, uh, it was something that bothering, it was bothering me. 
um, because I haven't been looking at the numbers and uh, I think it, I think it matters. And yeah, there you go. I'll put the we'll put the link to the world data stuff up online. Uh, okay. Let's do a couple. Let's read. Tests. Let's through the. Yeah, we don't have that many, so it shouldn't take too long to get through them. You want to do a little ragma? Just about long enough for me to have a bathroom break. No, I can. I can wait. Okay, okay. <laughs> little ragamuffin says, "Thank you, little ragamuffin." By the way, I think you would dig uh, Patty politics. Um, little ragamuffin for anyone who doesn't know, we've got an interview with her on our channel, and she does all of her own sewing patterns. She has her own business. And does very beautiful designs. Anyway, Little Ragamuffin says, God bless slow fashion and also free. Mailman's here. And there goes Carrie. Uh, okay, yeah, she read Little Ragamuffins and also freedom. Little Ragamuffin has a uh, habit of adding and also freedom. Uh, so, let's see, where are we? Meigs. Meeks 294 Meeks 294 says, I'm about an hour behind, but you started by asking for financial support and you've got it. Not much, but thanks. Well, thank you, Meeks 294. Every bit helps. So um, thank you. Appreciate it. And let's see. Are we... I think we only have one more. I've got to scroll down and find... Oh, wait, maybe two more. Why bother? Thank you, Why bother? Why bother says, something that caught my eye this week. Someone on the internet said that BLM stands for... Burn, loot, murder. Thought it was clever. I've seen that as well. It is. It is clever, uh, or and or accurate. Uh, Philip uh, Province, thank you. Philip says CDC website quote daily updates of totals by week and state provisional death counts for coronavirus disease 2019 show many under 100% average. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So also. It did look, look, it, it looks like we flattened the curve, folks. So we can stop arresting people for going to church in a parking lot. Um, B. Allen. B. Allen says, uh, you guys are informative and entertaining. Yes, Carter, entertaining. Yeah, but it's unintentionally when I'm entertaining. That's the problem. That's, that's like my that's daughter's like, you're funny, good. but not when you're trying to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lieutenant Siver, Siver, uh, Ari uploading Ron Paul to the Department of Education. He'd end the Department of Education and it wouldn't help. He might, which is the right thing to do, but he might first infect all of the schools with the Ron Paul virus and then shut down the Department of Education. That would be my hope for the Ron Paul super virus. Uh, Keith the Hack Guy. Thank you, Keith. He says the CCP virus is the first worldwide pandemic that we required TV shows to know it was happening. <laughs> yes, that is a great point. <laughs> yeah, you'd think that, like, if it was an actual zombie apocalypse, you wouldn't have to be like, is it still going on? Yeah. Have, you wouldn't have to turn into CNN. <laughs> good, good, yeah. good point, Keith. Tax Terra says, it's been a long week. I need, a f I, I need to file a human rights grievance against my children, <laughs> but it's Friday. <laughs> we made it to the weekend. Thanks for all you do. Thank you, Tex Terra. Uh, appreciate it. And I actually think there's a... Tex Terra would know this, and so would Sandy Kins. I think there's a knitting circle meeting for Unsafe Space Knitters tomorrow. Uh, but I don't know the details. Okay, Andrew Joyner. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew says, greetings, my fellow reactionaries. Greetings, greetings. Andrew. Um, 
Loquacious Primate, again, awesome name every time. Thank you, Loquacious Primate. Could you please upload your graphs spreadsheets? I can. They're pretty crappy. I should probably, I'll format them to make them slightly better. They're pretty crappy. Hey, I, Luqua Lu I, have, I have a request for you, uh -oh. Loquacious Primate. Remember that show, Nerdtrotic, that you told me about? Uh, he's written me a couple times and wants to interview me, but he last time we he emailed me, he said he was copying in his producer, but nobody was copied. So <laughs> can, can you, in the chat, if you're in the chat with him again, just put that bug in his ear again. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up. I wanna be I wanna talk to those comic book geeks. I think it'll be fun. What? Richard Petz says <laughs> What did Carter say to the other nerd at the table? Parse the salt, please. Okay. It's a little bit of a I like it. A little bit yeah. of a, a I like it. Crypto style joke. Uh uh. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Um, Carrie. What? This is just a sad thing, and I don't know if I should share it. I'm just annoyed by it. And I'm, look, and I'm a carnivore. I don't mind killing animals. But I don't like sadistically hurting animals for no. political points. Um, or for pleasure. Like yeah. torture and stuff like that. And I did not share this with my daughter because she rides and loves horses and I don't, this is one of those like, I don't think she needs to know. I usually tell her what I'm going to talk about on the show. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, so there's this guy. So in, in Chicago, um, Mayor Lightfoot is pushing for the census. They want to make sure everyone's counted. And there's this guy called Census Cowboy. And his name is Adam Hollingsworth. He calls himself Dreadhead Cowboy. And, uh, he wrote, so he owns horses and should know better because he owns horses. Uh, he rode his horse on the highway uh, for 7.5 miles in support of the, the hashtag Kids Lives Matter movement, an initiative that aims to raise awareness and motivate residents to fill out the census to help communities receive better uh, funding. Um, but... His horse may actually have to be euthanized. He didn't have the proper shoes for the pavement. It, the horse, there was extensive oh. bleeding and damage. Um, the horse wouldn't have survived if he hadn't received immediate treatment after this guy was arrested. And um, I don't know. I guess there's something about this story. I, I don't know why the story really bothers me, but there's something about this story that really speaks to the callousness of... Uh, statists who are just like is the census that important and i guess it is if by census you mean we get more the money more money more people more money if that's your idea of a census like we need more power because we got more people i guess it's super important but who the hell cares uh and i i just i don't know i know i know i'm not saying this guy's representative of the left but because uh, I'm, I'm sure that there are many people on the left who... Is he on the left? I assume. Who the hell cares about censuses except for leftists? Um, I don't know. I've never... I don't know. I've never heard a Republican be like, census matters. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a Republican. Um, but I, I just... 
His behavior may not rep be representative of a particular political ideology, but it is representative of the times that we're in, in which, and I get he, you know, I'm not saying everyone does this, but he's kind of a poster child for the craziness that's gone on. There's so, like the, the extent to people that people will go for a minor political to make a minor political point. There's something they want some like good cause that they've got and they'll literally riot, loot, burn businesses, torture animals, whatever it takes for their cause they'll do. Um, and I don't know, something about this really just bothers me and I just wanted to bring it up and I don't really have much else to say other than that I'm bothered and I wanted to know, am I crazy for being really bothered by this and thinking that it's, I don't, I feel like we wouldn't see this kind of stuff 40 years ago. Maybe. Uh, I'm not as bothered by it. I mean, I am bothered by it, but I think people sometimes are, you, you say he should know better because he owns horses. Not necessarily he should, but that doesn't mean he does know better. A lot of people are ignorant about subjects that they should know better about. You know, I can't expect, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like this, he obviously didn't realize this was going to hurt the horse or he wouldn't have done it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't have a lot of maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just found it disturbing. That's all. I just don't. I, maybe he would have, but I don't believe. I don't believe he would have hurt his own horse. I think he just was ignorant about your horse needs shoes to be on the pavement. Yeah, I mean the horse is going to have permanent damage, and they may still put him down. Um, and and the people were the, the medical people were saying there's no way that while you're riding it you wouldn't notice that the horse was like severely suffering. Um, so, I don't know. I just, uh, it, it's, it's like a, everything, this is what it it's, is. Everyone I has to make a freaking you, I, show out of everything. Everything's got to be a spectacle. Look what I'm doing. I am doing this thing. Everyone watch me. I'm on the freeway doing this thing for some effing cause. I'm, I'm tired of spectacles. I'm tired of people having spec, like everything's got to be a spectacle for your little pet cause. And which in this case is counting kids for the census in Chicago. Come on. Yeah. Well. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy. I'm, maybe I'm just in a mood. Um, I see that Beverly's in chat. Beverly wanted to jump in the show to tell us an announcement. Beverly, if you are ready, tell me in chat and I will dial you in. Um, Carrie, did you see the and, Emmys? And, and I and I do Sorry. agree with Genji Cat, who says if you own horses, you should have some horse education. Yeah, I think he should know better. I just I think people are woefully ignorant about a lot of things these days. And yeah, he should know better. Yeah. I also horse. don't know how you keep a horse alive without knowing some general horse things anyway. Like how do you, I mean, I've seen things, awful things, even in my local, um, Facebook group there, this, this guy, this rancher, not in my town, but nearby who his horses are obviously being starved. People have been taking photos of them and trying to alert animal cruelty because they're emaciated. So people, mm. there are people who have children who do not know how to raise children. Yeah, um, that's true. That's a great point. And are ignorant. That's a great and point. Maybe, and, don't, and don't put the time in to be knowledgeable about being a good parent. So I don't know. I guess I just. No, no. I th that's a great point. And you're reminding me of... Uh, 
you're reminding me of my normal stance on the animal stuff, which is I'm so sick of how kids are being abused. Stop telling me about animal abuse until we fix the kid problem because I do care more about kids. Uh, so um, that's a but fair I, I mean, point. I care. Yeah. That's a fair point. Uh, I'll I'll concede that point. All right, let me let me see if I can dial. Let me see if I can dial Beverly in. She has something she wants to tell her audience briefly. And let's see. We'll add her. Oh, you Keith, answer your says, phone, I, Keith says uh, the theory that a cowboy didn't know about horseshoes can't be a real cowboy. Well, yeah, I'm not arguing that. A lot of people just adopt. They think a cowboy hat makes them a cowboy. <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. Right. All right. Um, I think, I think we've got Beverly. Bam. I'm here. Am Beverly, I here? you are here. Uh, I don't know Hi. how. I need to get you on the screen. With there we go. All three of us are on the screen together. Beverly, welcome. For those of you who don't know Beverly, she does lots of the edits, almost all of the edits, uh, all the clips, most of the edits for the show, and um, she has. We're gonna we're gonna try an experiment, and Beverly's gonna tell you about the experiment. Yeah, yeah. You said that I wanted to come on. You're like before the show. Oh, you should hop in and and. Oh, I didn't want to announce it. Fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Um, so we're gonna try an extra show on Unsafe Space on Wednesday nights. I think yeah, Wednesday nights at oh geez, what are time time zones? Five p.m. Pacific, eight p.m. Eastern, uh, and I will be hosting, and we'll have guests on which will probably mainly be carter or carrie um hopefully carter for a while in case there are technical difficulties i'm scared um and we're gonna call it the token minority report because obviously unsafe space is going woke they're bringing me on yeah we definitely um, need some some uh we need to I purge like ourselves name. of our whiteness as much as possible so right right so i'm here helping. to preach to you <laughs> yeah. I like the sarcasm. I, know. I do like the pun. <laughs> Obviously, that was sarcasm. Uh, I'm going to just decenter yeah. myself, Beverly, and let you go uh. ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the goal is going to be kind of casual conversations. I'm going to have a mystery topic for each week, and I will take suggestions and consider them, um, but it'll be a surprise. Uh, but I want it to kind of go all over the place of just like we could do culture philosophy or just random frivolous stuff that it'll probably mainly be frivolous stuff you did um, mention aliens yeah aliens is on there i was also just thinking i really want carrie uh us to do a true crime thing at some point and i just actually received a letter from someone who i last year i was writing to who was i believe was wrongfully convicted of a crime in texas and i hadn't heard back after a while but he just Wrote out, wrote to me again too. So I need to read this later. But I think that would be fun to talk about too. Wow, cool. Well, um, thank you, Beverly. That's going to be this. We're going to the pilot is going to be what this Wednesday at five Pacific live. Is that right? Yes, yes. Whatever seven p.m. Central time is. <laughs> is it not you into your Dungeons, time. your Dungeons and Dragons time. Did that get uh, moved? Is that on Tuesdays? Well, my other one of my other D and D ones is on Wednesday. It had to be moved to Tuesday, which is where the unsafe space D and D is on Tuesday. So now we're all, t yeah. I had to move some D and D around, 
but we're figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thank, I'll let you go back to chat and moderate the hell out of those people, but thank you for, uh, telling us Beverly and we will, um, yeah, we will, I guess we'll see everyone on Wednesday. Wednesday. Cool. Yeah. Hope to see Bye, you guys Beverly. there. Bye. So see what happens, Carrie, when you leave me alone for a little while. Beverly yeah. takes over. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have a couple more super chats and then I think we should wrap up so I can go to the bathroom. Nice. Yo, Let's that was see. TMI. Do you want to do Alan? <laughs> Sorry. It's a TMI. Everybody goes to the bathroom. Um, Alan. Alan Monaghan. Alan Monaghan. Thank you, Alan. Says everything has to be a spectacle because politics have become highly performative. There's a great amount of social capital for virtue signaling. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, guess that's I why they I say mean, it's the and, clown world, right? And let yeah. me be clear. People were saying I was being extra gracious to this guy. I just... You know, I, let me be. I don't. I don't think. I think this is a bad thing that, that happened. I think it was a bad choice to make. I think it was unwise and ignorant. And and yeah, I. I don't. I'm not a big fan of um, gimmicks. I guess. Yeah. You know, I think. I think there are clever ways to draw attention when you want an audience for your ideas or things that you feel are important. But there's also very gimmicky ways, and this just feels gimmicky. Yeah, I but I think uh, you were right. I don't think you were being callous or like dismiss like or giving him too gracious. I, I think you were right. I, I'll, I'll stand by your. I'll support you. I'll back you on that. It was good. All right. Why bother? Thank you. Why bother? Says wait, I wait, guess everything you skip has James. Oh, S. Oh. Okay. Sorry, uh, James. James S says if you want to nerd out on COVID data, check out viral issue crucial update September eighth video on Ivor Cummings YouTube channel. Okay. Cummins YouTube channel. All right. Uh, thank you. Cool. I don't know about that. Now, why bother? Go ahead, Carrie. Why bother says, I guess everything has to be a spectacle for the same reason everything on the internet has to be a meme. The only way people digest information nowadays. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wish we didn't care about censuses as much. You only care about a census because your politicians have way too much control. <laughs> way too much control. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't really care if they census was that accurate um i don't know carrie before you run off did you yeah. see the did you see the thing on the did you see the i don't watch the emmys but i saw the clip and it was just so horrific i can't not mention it did you see the clip with anthony anderson and yes Jimmy i Kimmel? shared that clip it was terrible look it's so awkward it's so awkward it's not funny it's lazy and i know i have a lot of uh a lot of people from my old life when I worked in comedy who are still following me, a lot unfriended me, but a lot are still friends with me. And some of them contact me privately to offer support or to ask for advice or to talk about their fear in pushing back against this woke ideology now that they can see it and see how widespread it is. But some of them, I also know, they never talk to me, but I know they like to hate stalk my posts and share them to a private group where they trash me, um, which is fine. You can do that. I make my posts public for a reason, but I know you're following me. And, and my question to you is this, because a lot of you still work in TV and a lot of you still produce woke garbage like the Emmys and like this Anthony Anderson clip with Jimmy Kimmel. Um, do you think this is funny? 
Does it give you any pause that at the time I shared it, I think there were 25,000 dislikes. And I think last time I saw it was 30,000 dislikes and 2000 likes. The people don't, they're not laughing anymore. They're starting to, they're starting to quit buying this ideological sermonizing that you're doing and you're trying to pass off as comedy. And maybe, maybe comedy isn't for you. (laughs) (laughs) It was, Look, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't watch this stuff anyway. Can we just describe it? So I, I have a transcript here. So Anthony Anderson, for people who are listening, Anthony Anderson says, they go, he goes out on stage with Jimmy Kimmel. Stage, I mean, stage is like a green screen. They're in a room by themselves because they're scared of COVID. Uh, he says, you know, we have a record number of black Emmy nominees this year, which is great. And he pauses and he looks over at Jimmy Kimmel. And then he says to Jimmy Kimmel, this is the part where white people start to applaud. And Kimmel kind of awkwardly goes, oh. Like a seal, like a trained seal. Yeah. And and uh, and then Anthony Anderson says, and nod. And Kimmel's like, oh. And nods. Um, and that was kind of, and then, you know, then he went on about black representation and blah, blah, blah. At one point he used the term white-splain, which I hadn't heard before, but makes makes sense i guess if you oh, have mansplaining you got white splaining yeah um it just was so I, we, we, awkward we we put white splaining on our sjw bingo card which we should roll out again by the way oh was it on our <laughs> sjw bingo card yeah. i forgot about it okay so i had heard it before but i it, it was this has nothing to do with ideology like it just wasn't funny it was very very cringe and i wonder are, they are in such an echo chamber that no one in the writing room is like, gosh, this sucks. No one. No one. No one. No one. It oh, actually I... made it out. Uh, and people, again, go look at the ratio of list of dislikes to likes. Nobody's laughing. It's, it's a, I know comedy is subjective. I challenge you to find anyone, even in the writer's room, who found it funny. They found it woke. They found it ideologically correct, but they didn't find it funny. I also think that it's – I also think that they're in a weird spot because you're basically in, handicapping yourself as a comedy writer because you're if you're woke, you have to be beholden to the ideology first before laughs. So you're putting yourself in a little cage, and there are entire things that are now off limits to you. And so you're handicapped, and you're trying to be funny within that cage. And you can be, if you're very talented and you're a funny person, you can be funny within that cage, but you have to adhere to the rules. And I think what they might have been trying to do was simultaneously poke a little fun at themselves and at wokeness while still not actually leaving the cage or breaking any of the rules, which failed. If you want to poke fun Mm -hmm. at wokeness, you're going to have to break the rules. You're going to have to leave your cage. You can't please woke people and also make effective jokes about wokeness and about yourselves. You can't do the two at once. I don't th- I haven't seen anyone do it effectively. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I, w- I was considering. Well, I, I mean, they must be trying to make fun of wokeness, but they yeah. failed. They totally failed because they didn't want to actually do anything that would challenge the they rules. They didn't want to actually make fun of wokeness. <laughs> right. They trying to they're trying to have it both ways. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Like if you want to make fun of wokeness, guys, there's lots of examples out there. There are lots of people. Look at Ryan Long. There's lots of people who are effectively making fun of wokeness. But to do so means, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, 
you might get called not woke when you do it. You might you're going to have to leave your your uh, your these boundaries that you've accepted that they you're going to have to leave the prison you've put your comedy bone in. Yeah, pretty. Uh, it, it was it was pretty bad, and I was reminded why I never watch late night television or any award shows. So uh, yeah, I hate I hate award shows anyway. So yeah. good riddance. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, now you may go on your bathroom break. I guess Carrie now. And thank you guys for tuning in. If you want to join us, um, see us on Sunday. So what's today? Friday. So Sunday in two days, we're going to be doing a live book discussion of Charles Murray's human diversity. If you want to watch the interview we did with Charles Murray, it came out this week. You can find that on our channel. Um, If you want to be in the book discussion, you can be in the live chat like today, or you can be on camera. If you email us at speak at unsafespace.com and let us know you want the link. We will give you an invitation to join. Um, It's free to be in our book club. You can learn more about the book club or watch previous discussions at our book club page. If you want to support us financially, you can go to the donate page at unsafespace.com. And there are several ways to donate. Uh, One of the the ones that most people choose to do is subscribe star. And you could subscribe. You can give a one-time tip or you can subscribe monthly at a dollar or even as little as a dollar. And, um, if you get the $25 level or above, then you get one of our mugs that looks like a grenade. Which I should have, I should Which always I, have with me so I can show, but I always forget to have it here. Um, yeah. I yeah. don't have one yet, but as soon as I get one, it's going to be here. I'll, yeah, I'm I'll mail be you a couple. Out of all. I'll mail you a couple. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got a ma- I got to mail in the next batch out. Maybe that'll happen this weekend. Um, yeah, and I think when we have a monthly subscribe star goal, I think we're about. I don't know, maybe around halfway to our our monthly subscribe star goal, which over the next oh, few months cool. I'd like to I'd like to get up to like it's a it's a measurement of week of, of monthly donations. So like we have a goal to get to that um, will really help us. So that's that's kind of where we're going. Um, and yeah, thank you all, thank you all for watching. Thank you. Thanks and for it's joining. noon. It's noon Pacific on on Sunday, right? The book club. Yes. Two two, two o'clock two Texas Central. Time. Yeah. Okay. And three three Eastern. Okay. All right. Well. On that note, thank you, everyone. Have a great weekend. We will see you on Sunday. Email us. I'll probably email out links. If you want to be in book club, you probably won't get a link until later tomorrow or something. So don't freak out if you don't get one right away. I kind of wait for everyone to come in, and then I send all the the emails out. So um, with that said, have a good weekend. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals.
I have calculated a 96.9% .9 chance that their ideas violate YouTube's hate speech policy. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Marxism is mostly peaceful. Mostly. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.